When I was a child, I saw a television show that stuck with me across the years. I thought it was from the old Twilight Zone show, but I went on Wikipedia and read all of the 153 episodes of Twilight Zone, and this wasn't it. But it was something like that. The show was in black and white, so that tells you how long ago it was. In the opening scene, a well-dressed man carrying a briefcase is running through a train station, obviously anxious to catch a train that was about to leave. He bumps into an old woman in rags who is selling pencils in the lobby, and she asks him if he wants to buy a pencil. But he shrugs her off without a word and just jumps on the train. Once on board, the man takes a seat by the window and begins to read a newspaper, opening, out, opening it immediately to the stock market report. But soon the rumbling of the train and the clackety-clack of the wheels begin to lull him to sleep, and his head begins to nod. After a few moments, a hand touches him on the shoulder. He's irritated at being awakened. He holds out his ticket, thinking the man must be uh, the hand must come from the conductor who's there to collect his ticket. But instead, there's a deep voice that says, Mr. Brown, you have to come with me now. It's time for you to go. I don't get off until Springfield, says Mr. Brown. No, says the voice, I mean, it's really time for you to go. This is the end of the road for you, I'm afraid. Looking up, Mr. Brown sees he's talking not to the conductor, but to a rather handsome young man with a distinctly otherworldly look. Are you an angel, he asks. Something like that, says the young man. Now you really have to come with me. Well, says Mr. Brown, I had planned to live on a while longer, but if it's my time, who am I to argue with that? To tell the truth, I was getting tired of this old rat race anyway. Okay, let's go. The next scene shows Mr. Brown and his escort walking around in the middle of a bunch of snowy white clouds. You can imagine the scene. And then all of a sudden, out of the mists, come four men carrying a stretcher with a kind of throne on it. And on the throne is seated the life-size figure of a woman made completely out of glass. And then from another direction come four more men carrying the immobile figure of a man made completely out of gold. Mr. Brown turns to his escort with a puzzled look and asks, who or what are they? And the answer comes, why, that is Mrs. Jenkins and Mr. Burroughs. In the other life, she devoted herself to collecting rare antique crystal. And he spent all of his time speculating on the gold market. So here, they have become what they loved the most. That's the custom that we have here, you see. Well, what about me then? Asks Mr. Brown. The escort smiles in reply. Well, we had to think about you for quite a while. It seems you didn't really love anything except money. So we decided you to turn, turn you into green paper. We're on our way to the transforming station right now. But this is horrible, says Mr. Brown. I never thought heaven would be anything like this. Some angel you are. 
Oh, my good man, says the escort. This isn't heaven. This is the other place. <laughs> and yes, I was an angel once. They called me Lucifer, the Prince of Light, but that was a long time ago. Holding his head in his hands, Mr. Brown begins to sob. What a fool I've been, wasting my life on things that don't really matter. And now it's too late. But it may not be too late for my son. I must tell him before he ends up the same way as me. Let me go to him and tell him that he must love people so that when he comes to the other world, he will become human. At least let me try. I'm sorry, it's too late for that now, says Lucifer. He can't see or hear you now. Maybe if he had had your living example, there might have been some hope for him, but as it is now, I expect you'll see him here with you in a few years. At that, Mr. Brown begins to shake his head in utter misery and cry out, No, 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 no! Suddenly, the scene shifts back to the train. The conductor is standing over Mr. Brown and shaking his shoulder. It's okay, sir. You must have fallen asleep and had a bad dream. Here we are in Springfield. I think this is your stop. In amazement, Mr. Brown gets up and climbs off the train. Walking through the Springfield train station, he's stopped by a beggar who asks him for a dime for a cup of coffee. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Reaching into his pocket for his wallet, Mr. Brown says, Sure, here's a dollar, here's five dollars, here's twenty, just take the whole wallet. I don't need it anymore. Thanks, thank you very much. And then the scene comes to a close. We become what we love the most. There was some pretty good theology in that old television show, I think. We really do become what we love the most. And it often takes a confrontation with the specter of death to convince us about what really matters in life. In today's gospel, Jesus says, sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's all a matter of priorities. What comes first for us? What really matters to us? What is going to last? The way we answer these questions will actually determine not only the fate of our soul, but our very identity. If you're like me, well, if you're like me, you're probably thinking right now, well, it's a good thing my heart's in the right place. I've never really cared all that much about money and possessions. I'm a pretty generous person, belong to this wonderful congregation that pours out itself in service of others in so many different ways. Think of the Peddler's Fair yesterday where almost all of you were out there on the street in the hot sun. But this was probably a good lesson for other people to, to listen to. <laughs> But maybe that's because most of us tend to think of ourselves as middle class, no matter how much we actually have. I saw a recent study in the New York Times that asked people, so what, where would you place yourself? Are you rich, middle class, or lower class? No matter how much people, money people have, they all said they were middle class. 
The people that the government thinks is poor still thought they were middle class. The people that thought were really rich, they still thought they were middle class. Everybody knows somebody who has a little more stuff than you do, so I'm below them, so I must be middle class. So we think, I'm not one of those rich people Jesus was talking to when he said, sell your possessions and give the money to the poor. But what if we look at the things from a global perspective? The median annual household income for people on this planet is $10,000 a year. So if your family makes $10,000 a year, you're middle class. If your family has an annual income of $33,000 a year, then in world perspective, you're in the top 1%. If you have an income more than 33,000, well, you do the math, it's less than 1%. I imagine a lot of us are in the top 10th of 1%. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A wise saying attributed to the Buddha is, the mind is everything. What you think, you become. The biblical perspective is similar. The heart is everything. What you love, you become. If you love money and the things that money can buy, then you'll become a thing. If you love people, you will become human. If you love God, you will become divine. May our loving God grant us grace to become what we were truly created to be, which is the image and likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and praise and honor now and to the ages of ages. Amen. Amen.